the veteran said to Brock, I see you're still keeping Heyman around. And Brock very seriously said, he knows all the backgrounds. And at that point, I understood my role. Welcome, welcome, welcome to After the Bell. I am still Corey Graves, and congratulations, much like myself, you survived Royal Rumble weekend. There's so much to get to. In the wake of the Royal Rumble, we are officially on the road to WrestleMania, and I can't get there without my co-pilot. He is the blue to my Frank the Tank the voice of NXT 2.0, Vic Joseph. Vic, what's the word, my friend? So I'm an old guy that's in covered in oil? I was more or less referencing your affinity for a certain sort of jelly. Ah, that's neither here nor there. I just, you know, I, I do this weekly. I, I took a few weeks off. I needed to think of a good <laughs> sidekick. You're my boy, Blue. That's it. To kick off the road to WrestleMania. Vic, I mean, let's not waste any more time. We've got a lot to get to. Huge episode. Paul Heyman is joining after the bell for the first time ever. You never want to miss any time the advocate speaks in any forum. Excited to get there and talk about all the things that went down in the WWE universe over the last week and what a week it was. Vic, while it's fresh on your mind, what were your biggest takeaways from the Royal Rumble premium live event? I sat there. It's my favorite time of the year that we've talked about in my takeaways were great story up front with Roman and Seth Rollins. But the biggest takeaway to me, the winners of the respective Royal Rumble matches. The most stupendous Wrestle Tonight WrestleMania in history. Ronda Rousey, guaranteed championship opportunity winning the women's. And Brock freaking Lesnar, shocking at least myself on Saturday night, coming out at 30 destroying the field, pointing up to the WrestleMania sign. I mean, it was legit. That place was on fire on Saturday. It was so hot, it melted the WrestleMania sign. It was that freaking intense inside the Dome at American Center. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. Side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. 
You mentioned the takeaway being the two big winners, Ronda Rousey, Brock Lesnar. Some members of the uh, wrestling community, at least based on Twitter, said, oh, we saw this coming. Oh, we, we knew this was coming. Well, if you saw it, good for you. But this is why you should be excited, because you mentioned it's two nights of WrestleMania again. This is no longer the same era where there was you know, an eight match card and everyone had to battle for that particular time slot. Now we've got an entire weekend dedicated to the greatest spectacle in live entertainment. So yeah, Brock Lesnar will be in a main event match. Ronda Rousey will be in a main event match. There are two nights last year. There were multiple main event matches. It doesn't mean they're going to be the last match of the night. It just means it is a main event. It belongs on the marquee. It's one of the selling points of this massive weekend. And it's funny if you think about it as unusual as it sounded the week you took off and MVP co-hosted the show with me, which by the way, I feel better. You feel better. I'm glad you've recovered. Yeah. MVP put forth this crazy idea about how Bobby Lashley was going to win. MVP essentially called the ending of the Royal rumble match for us. And it seems so outlandish and impossible MVP. How's that for a spoiler stealing Paul Heyman's gimmick uh, MVP just pontificating saying, well, if Brock wants to make it to mania, this is how it's going to have to happen. And that's actually the way it played out. It's really weird. There's much fun as we have speculating that MVP actually called the shot dead on. I, I think what's interesting. And, I, and again, you take the week off MVP comes in and, and what you just talked about the things you predicted in December of what's going on in the world right now, Bobby Lashley coming on this very program, scaring the blue hell out of me. And we weren't even in the same room. And with the, what he was saying, the passion, and then I'd watch Raw and I would see something different in his eye than to go out there and have that match with Brock Lesnar. I mean, it is, it's quite special, I think, dude, to sit here and actually think about things that have happened on this program as it relates just to that one single match and how special it is that it all came to fruition. Yeah. For lack of a better term. And we'll spend a little bit more time talking about that particular match in a few minutes. And full disclosure, because I'm never anything but honest with everybody on this here yeah, podcast. Maybe, maybe too honest, which is why you get in trouble on social media. That's true. That's absolutely true. <laughs> uh, I am recording from the most beautiful condominium in WWE uh, right now here in South Florida. Needed to take care of some real life stuff in the aftermath. So my apologies. Corey Graves personally apologizing if the audio isn't quite as crisp and clean and magical as it ordinarily is. We'll be back to normal next week. Just putting it out there in case you're trying to adjust your iPod or, or trying to adjust your audio settings in your vehicle. It's on me. It's all my fault. And anyone watching this or, you know, viewing it on our WWE YouTube page, what's up with them lips behind you, my friend? Is your mustache above those lips? Are those your lips? Did you get your lips printed out and blown up? Listen, how, what, how, how my better half chooses to decorate her uh, personal lair is really nothing I have any sway uh, hey. over. No argument with you. Uh, yeah, you're I'm right. Well enough alone here. I'm just, I'm lucky. You're I'm right. here. We've got a good space. And, and to throw things back to the Royal Rumble premium live event, uh, which to my knowledge was the most watched event that WWE has done since the WWE Network moved to Peacock. Oh. Even bigger than last year's WrestleMania. Really? Yeah, it, it just shows the growth and the, and the partnership with the Peacock and WWE Network platforms, uh, how successful that's already being. So that, that's exciting. 44,000 plus jam-packed into the Dome at America Center. I've got a lot of takeaways, but as to not 
look too far in the past because right now that might as well be uh, ancient history yeah. as fast as the wheel moves on the road to WrestleMania. Uh, particularly what stood out to me in the women's Royal Rumble match was Michelle McCool. Michelle McCool, to me, looked like she had not missed a step and, in fact, might have had one of her more impressive performances. And we know that Michelle's not a full-time active competitor anymore, but when her music hit, the, the athletic condition she was in, she looked like a big star. You know, there was it was great. There were a lot of cool callbacks and a lot of blasts from the past and some superstars we haven't seen in some time. And Michelle's still around regularly enough. But for me, of all the people who came back in the women's Royal Rumble match, I think Michelle McCool stood out to me as the most impressive. She came in, she, she kicked some ass, but physically she looked as though she could step in the ring again tomorrow and go. Uh, so Michelle McCool was one of my big takeaways in, in the fallout of the women's Royal Rumble match. And also I got to give an honorable mention to Ivory. Ivory coming out in her right to censor garb to me was perfect. And it's funny how what's old is new again. It almost felt like Ivory would fit perfectly on television today or tomorrow or this week, just because of the way the world has changed since the days of the right to censor where it's just funny how, how reality has sort of, uh, mirrored and lapped itself to where, oh my goodness, Ivory wouldn't look out of place in 2020 as a member of the, of the Raw women's roster. You know who I would love to see Ivory team with to bring it to NXT? Joe Gacy. Joe Gacy. Man alive. Yeah. What a power couple that could be with Harlan on the outside. Think about the stories there. It'd be endless. Yep, absolutely. That'd I be mean, fun. That'd be fun. And, and Ivory's another <laughs> one. Hall of Famer, not an active competitor, but Ivory... Man, talk about physical conditioning and taking good care of yourself and, and fighting life and age. Man, Ivory looked fantastic. I saw her backstage, amazing shape. Looks like she could step in the ring again. You know what's cool? And you bring up, you know, Peacock and, and the WWE Network. These are superstars that are entering the Women's Royal Rumble, whether it was for 30 seconds or 30 minutes. You can go back and relive all that. A whole generation can go, wait a minute, Michelle McCool? I only know her as Undertaker's, you know, wife. What? Wait a minute. And then go back and see how they split her and Layla would lay cool, how they split the women's title in half. And they were both champions right, in the right, cool. Right. And, and what Ivory did in the right to censor, because right to censor was awesome back in the day. Oh, definitely. I, I think that was one that later on in life, you're like, you know what? Those guys are actually pretty funny. You, you were a big good father guy. I love the good father. Loved him. <laughs> <laughs> we look elsewhere on the landscape, everything that went down in St. Louis. You and I called it last week alongside with Sam Roberts. We talked about Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins and how maybe this matchup wasn't getting the love or respect from the WWE universe that we thought maybe it should have been. Another time, I never get tired of being right here on After the Bell. Here we go. I dare say we all were because yeah. Rollins and Roman opened the night with a freaking instant classic. Rollins coming out in the shield guard. That was awesome. The backstory. It just added a whole new layer to this already layered relationship between Rollins and Reigns that on a long enough timeline could truly wind up being a, a fight forever scenario because both guys have a lot of tread left on their tires here in WWE. They're both going to be top guys here for the foreseeable future. Their paths will cross again, but man, they kicked it off in a huge way. And for my money, I think it was my favorite matchup of the entire night. And that's saying a lot, considering what we were working toward on the WWE side. Yeah, we, had side. A lot, we had a lot of moments. When, when, when that being said, the Rollins, when the music had been it, 
Dan it. I, 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 my, my eyebrows went up. I said, wait a minute. I did not see that coming. That one caught me way off guard. And then to come through the crowd thinking of where this show was, the Dome, St. Louis, 44,000 plus. I was like, wait, where the hell is he? I, we thought the same thing. I was still backstage when he was making his entrance and I saw the camera shot and I saw the distance. Right. Ring, because <laughs> that stadium is enormous. It was huge. Uh, I, I think it was uh, Carmela that was telling me she has her, her watch that counts how many steps you take throughout the course of the day. She took like 14,000 steps on Saturday. That's just how massive, just to get around the dome, it was that big of a structure. And when, when the camera hit and it was like, it showed over Roman's really, shoulder, didn't it? Really, really, really long walk before a matchup. Yeah, that was that was really cool. Just that that site. Great job, by the way, by our production crew. We say it all the time. We don't say it enough. How awesome our production crews are in WWE. Those that even build the sets, and that was a cool uh, shot. Great moment up front. Seth hitting the stomp, and you thought, "Oh my god!" You don't know what's going to happen. And that was a really cool match. I also want to give some love to Edge and to Beth Phoenix. Uh, for the Miz and Maurice and the Grit versus the It Couple, the Luna Vashon tribute by Beth Phoenix in that matchup. That was really cool, really a full circle type moment. Royal Rumble to me, it, it was awesome. It's it's It was a great start on the road to WrestleMania with the Elimination Chamber premium live event coming up. And that's going to be a big week too. Not only the, the, the Chamber, the Tuesday prior, Vengeance Day on sci-fi for NXT. So there's a lot going on, man. And, and it all started from the Royal Rumble and it continued to roll right into Raw. You're absolutely right. And just when you thought Sunday, ooh, I can catch my breath a little bit. Hopefully you did because Monday the train kept rolling. We were going to talk about Bobby and Brock and how we've been clamoring for that matchup. And in my opinion, it did not disappoint. However, it didn't satiate my need. What we saw for a brief period of time was Bobby and Brock living up to the hype. Two big badasses watching Brock Lesnar German suplex Bobby Lashley on his neck about 11 times was hard to watch. I was cringing each and every time, but Bobby kept getting back up and it was like, okay, here we go. This is a throwdown. Roman Reigns shows up again. Paul Heyman is going to be here in a few moments. I'm going to ask Paul uh, what little bit of light he's willing to shed on the closing moments of the Lashley-Lesnar matchup. But to your point, Monday night rolls around. Bobby Lashley comes out looking like a million bucks. Brand new, almighty WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Enter Brock Lesnar in fight gear, mm -hmm. which had everybody uh, imagining, are we going to see this? finish tonight is this going to happen again are we going to get to see brock and bobby part two to completion on monday night raw unfortunately not but the elimination chamber is announced brock lesnar the first entrant to challenge bobby lashley right then and there pay-per-view sold put lesnar and lashley forget the other four guys to me i want to see that in the chamber in all a right? chamber think about what you just said brock lesnar Bobby Lashley in a chamber. You thought it was going to be just a normal. No, they're in a freaking chamber now. Right then and there. It was like when the internet used to ask that question, who would win in a fight, like a grizzly bear or a lion? Well, we're about <laughs> to find out. You know what I mean? It's so fantastical. We're, we're going to see it. But then as Monday Night Raw progressed, they started adding participants to the chamber. And how do you make a matchup as colossal as Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley in the elimination chamber even bigger and more unpredictable? You add Riddle to the mix, AJ Styles, Seth freaking Rollins, Austin Theory. This, again, sneakily 
Might be one of those times, much like last time we head over to Saudi Arabia for Crown Jewel, I believe it was, was, was the event. In the fall, yeah. That just may secretly set the world on fire again from a, from a WWE perspective. The last time we went to Crown Jewel, on paper, it was kind of like, okay, this looks like it might be a fun, fun card. And it turned out to be, in my opinion, the best pay-per-view we did last year. Now, the Elimination Chamber on the way to WrestleMania with nothing else announced other than the other match we found out at the end of the night on Monday. Uh, you've got the Elimination Chamber matchup with six top-tier, top guy. Anybody can win this match. We've, we've talked about how impressive Austin Theory has been. It's been a long time, arguably since Brock Lesnar, since somebody has burst on the scene and made such a huge impact in a short period of time. I believe it was five months from Brock's debut to the time he became world champion. Austin Theory is on a similar trajectory, slightly longer timeline. But what if we head to Saudi Arabia for Elimination Chamber and Austin Theory wins the WWE Championship? He may be a dark horse. It may not be the, the odds on favorite or how things look like they're going to be, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. And while the, the universe is throwing curveballs left and right, that's for the WWE Championship picture. How about the closing moments of Monday Night Raw? We see Ronda Rousey. Ronda's kind of not yet decided which path she's going to take. There is a twinkle in your eye right now, by the way. I know exactly how excited you are. It was so freaking <laughs> cool to me. We didn't find out what Ronda's answer was. Maybe tonight on Friday Night SmackDown, we will get our answer. Maybe she's going to make us wait a little longer. But instead, you enter Lita. Lita. One of the last people anyone expected to see on Monday Night Raw in any capacity. Had a great showing in the, in the Women's Royal Rumble match, but... History has taught us, usually when an act comes back, it's a one and done, just a feel-good, nostalgia sort of deal. Lita is going to challenge Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship at the Elimination Chamber. That is huge, man. That, that is huge. She said a couple weeks ago, right before the Rumble, it was something to the effect of, I think I have one run left in me. And who are we to argue with a WWE Hall of Famer who has accomplished as much and has broken down as many barriers as Lita has. And we talk about these huge matches at sell pay-per-views. Becky Lynch, Lita, that's a main event. And that, that's a WrestleMania main event. That's a, that's a main event match. And we're getting it at the Elimination Chamber on the road to WrestleMania, which again throws another curveball. What happens if Lita marches in to, it's not out of the realm of possibility right this minute as we're recording this podcast to see Ronda Rousey versus Lita in Dallas at WrestleMania. But that's that a match you never I, thought you would see? Never in a million years. I mean, is it likely? Who knows? Who knows? Only time will tell. But it's a possibility which just reinforces the statement that we have made for the past several weeks that from Royal Rumble to WrestleMania, I don't care where you are on earth. There is nowhere better to be a fan than within the WWE universe because truly anything can and probably will happen. I think I've said expect the unexpected, the twists and turns on the road to WrestleMania, and we're, we're living it, man. And you're right. With that Elimination Chamber match, I go back to Crown Jewel, and you're 100% right. Edge, Seth Rollins, Hell in a Cell, that was the match of the year by WWE.com. And I watched the Ruthless Aggression series on Peacock, and I watched that Elimination Chamber story to see exactly you know how it all came to be. This may be, to me, the most unpredictable Elimination Chamber that we may have ever had. Because there are six legitimate guys who you can make a case, A, can win, 
and A could go into WrestleMania as champion. They all have valid reasons for it. I'm right. still sticking with Austin Theory going to WrestleMania somehow in a main event type matchup. So that, that there you go right there for me. And I can honestly say I will not tell you that you're wrong because I could see a scenario where that is reality. How about Riddle? Riddle has had arguably one of the best years of anybody in WWE. The alliance with Randy Orton, RK, bro, it's entertaining. But the biggest thing, and MVP and I discussed on, on the podcast when he was here, the difference that a superstar needs to find that killer instinct. And yes, Riddle is fun-loving, and it's a very entertaining existence he leads on Monday Night Raw. But when the bell rings, Riddle can go. Riddle and Otis on Monday night in that impromptu qualifying match, with shout out to qualifying matches, by the way. Love, Love watching having people them. earn their way and putting stakes in the matchups. Uh, out of nowhere, Adam Pierce shows up, or, or Derek, just in some circles. And we now have an impromptu qualifying matchup for the Elimination Chamber. Otis looked like a stud, by the way, even in defeat. That was in my opinion, maybe the best Otis has ever looked in a WWE ring. He looked like a bona fide monster. Riddle had to overcome the odds and fought his ass off in a great matchup to earn the opportunity. You can't bet against Riddle. We talked about credibility and legitimacy. Yeah, Riddle's, uh, you know, he's got his head in the clouds most of the time, and that's very entertaining. It makes for amazing interactions as a character. But Riddle, from bell to bell, is still a fighter, a badass, a very dangerous human being. So to throw him into the fold with Brock Lesnar, with Bobby Lashley, you've got three guys who have competed at the very highest levels of mixed martial arts now in this cage. Now you've got AJ Styles, who has walked into WrestleMania as WWE champion in the past, knows what that means. To your point, Austin Theory, this could be the, the, the moment that his potential is realized. It's really, really fun. And no matter who leaves Elimination Chamber as the winner, it's going to be exciting. And, and it, it's been a while since you truly can't call which way. Everyone's got their favorite. I guarantee you in a matter of minutes, Paul Heyman is going to tell us why Brock Lesnar is going to be the one. Sure. Or maybe Paul will tell us why it's not possible. But it, it all is fallout from the, the banger that was the dream match, Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley. That, that momentum is carried now over into the Elimination Chamber. And I can't wait. What it interests me the most, I got two things for you here, Graves. I want to get your thoughts on the interaction in ring between Riddle and Brock Lesnar when they right. finally meet eye to eye. That to me, because we've all seen the social media buzz. We've all seen what Riddle's had to say. We've heard the stories. What's going to happen when those two finally clash in the chamber with all the other ingredients uh, to that matchup? But I want to talk about Raw one more time. Chad Gable, to me, has been money. The last two weeks, he, he never really had this personality to give him a microphone and show it. Shush! Thank you. I lose it. Vic, I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with you only in the way you phrased that. He never had it. He was never given the opportunity to do it, I Chad should say. Never had there it the is. Opportunity. And, and Chad is a testament to doing best with what is provided to you. Shorty G, no one thought that was a great idea. Chad Gable has been on this show and talking about, I didn't know what to do when I saw the gear. And, and, but Chad did what he had to do to the best of his ability to when we went, all right, maybe that's not working. Maybe that's not what Chad Gable is best seen as. 
Now you see the Alpha Academy, which already has a level of reality to it because Otis and Gable are best friends and training partners. And they've experienced so much of the same thing. I mean, that is truly a tag team unit, but it's given Gable the platform for me. I, I, I hate to compare anybody to anybody else, but if you're not already getting early Kurt Angle vibes from Chad Gable, I, I don't know what you're what you're watching. We throw the word around legitimate. Chad Gable's legitimate. That's sure. an Olympian. That, that That's not BS that he's a legit Olympian. And you're right. He never was given the opportunity. And when he, he has been the most interesting, fun, enjoyable part of raw for Kurt Angle comparison, Kurt Angle put a little cowboy hat on Kumbaya with Steve. But then he went in the ring and delivered, as you would say, bangers time after time. And I've seen Chad Gable on live events, tear the house down for 35 minutes late in a show and have the crowd on their feet teaming with his former partner, that being Robert Roode, when they were a tag team. He is, to me, the most interesting superstar who I'm ready to get behind on Monday Night Raw. That's a bold statement, but I can't disagree with it. I definitely think uh, the stars have finally aligned for Chad and Otis as well. We've made predictions on this show in the past. Chad Gable is in a championship-type picture by the end of the year. That's how much I believe in Chad Gable. Wow. I, I- Look, I can't disagree, man. I, I've been singing the praises of Gable for a long time. And, and truth be told, there were I had my doubts where I thought to myself, this guy is a, is a United States Olympian. He is a very intelligent human being. That's not just the valedictorian. It's not a gimmick. Chad is a very bright guy. I, I encourage anybody listening to this to go into the archives of After the Bell and listen to Chad Gable's story about his path to WWE. Gable's the genuine article. But there were times where even I went, this is all we've got. Like, this is, this is the best we can do with Chad Gable. This is the, the most we're seeing. And, and, and it's a symbiotic relationship. You know, he, he did what he could with what was given him. And now it's finally, okay, that didn't work. That didn't work. That didn't work. I think it's finally sticking. And I think Chad Gable, and I'm not, I'm not ready to exclude Otis because I think the pairing of them together has put them both in a, a comfortable situation where Gable can let his personality out where Otis can continue to evolve into a, a monster. You know what I mean? Otis was a goofball for his entire NXT tenure. Most of his time coming up on, on, you know, raw and SmackDown, he was fun loving. He was silly. Now we're seeing Otis sort of embrace a mentality that again, I hate to draw comparisons, but it, it gives me memories, almost a Vader type. Wow. Because Vader was the game changer in that he was 400 plus pounds, but could move. Nobody moved like Vader, not at that size when Vader was in his that prime. moonsault Otis, off the top. Yeah, I hear you. Otis isn't quite as physically imposing as a Vader, but he's pretty damn close. Otis may not have the height that Vader had, but as far as just brute strength and power and ability and explosiveness, we've seen glimpses of that from Otis in the past few months. And if he stays this course, and let Gable evolve into what Gable can be. We're getting to see what Otis is truly capable of. And I am the first to admit, I was the biggest critic of Otis probably on television. You know what I mean? Obviously, I, I you know, leaned a certain way for entertainment purposes from time to time. But I, I, didn't, I didn't see it. I honestly didn't see it. Now, I can't believe I didn't see it sooner. Well, we'll see what Derek and DeVille have for the Alpha Academy on Raw. 
Yeah, we're going to have to find out because there are many twists and turns before the road to WrestleMania, on the road to WrestleMania, even prior to Elimination Chamber. But the time has finally come, Vic. Let's do it. waited a long time for this in the wake of all of the goings-on involving Brock Lesnar, Bobby Lashley, Roman Reigns, the WWE and Universal Championships this past weekend at the Royal Rumble. It is our esteemed honor and privilege to welcome one of the greatest minds this industry has ever known. He is the special counsel to the tribal chief, the universal champion, Roman Reigns. Ladies and gentlemen, Paul Heyman. Mr. Heyman, first and foremost, I appreciate your time. Thank you for joining After the Bell. Uh, I understand that a great magician never truly reveals his tricks, but I would be remiss having you on my show in the wake of what went down this past Saturday night at the Royal Rumble as pertains to the universal champion, Roman Reigns, as pertains to your former client, Brock Lesnar. What the hell did we witness Saturday night? History. We witnessed history in the sense that the, the WWE landscape looks extremely different. We now have Bobby Lashley as WWE champion, Brock Lesnar, a former WWE champion, Brock, who would go on to win the men's Royal Rumble match earn the right to challenge the champion of his choosing. But Monday night, Brock made it very apparent that his desire is to face Roman Reigns in Dallas at WrestleMania. What can you tell us about the closing moments of Brock Lesnar versus Bobby Lashley when the tribal chief arrived, speared Brock Lesnar clean in half, and then was handed the WWE title by yourself, you, Paul Heyman? You have every right to ask these questions. And you'd be foolish not to. And you wouldn't be addressing the elephant in the room if you didn't ask these questions. SmackDown airs tonight. It is, with all due respect to this podcast, a far larger platform. So I would need to exercise my right to deflect the question because I would be foolish by answering it at this moment. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things but at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. Side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Let's take off the advocate, the special counsel cap for just a moment. I want to speak to Paul Heyman, the, the influencer in this industry, the, the historian, a man who has arguably one of, if not the most influential minds in WWE or the, the sports entertainment industry as a whole. When you step back and objectively look at what went down Saturday night and what appears to be the path to WrestleMania, we had... Brock Lesnar, a man who arguably you know better than anyone on the planet Earth, versus Bobby Lashley, a dream match for many. And it was in the process of delivering. If you can take your personal feelings out of this, what did that matchup mean 
to you and to WWE as a, as a brand? Hopefully the first in a series of matches between Brock Lesnar and Bobby Lashley. It's a very intriguing matchup. It's a very physical matchup. I look at it differently, surprise, surprise, than, than most, because I don't agree with the narrative of it's a, a match 20 years in the making. I don't think their amateur careers compare. Uh, when Brock Lesnar was fighting Shane Carwin at UFC 106, Shane Carwin was the interim UFC heavyweight champion because Brock Lesnar uh, had to delay the fight due to uh, diverticulitis surgery. But Brock was still the recognized reigning, defending, undisputed UFC heavyweight champion of the world. And they went to a press conference. And in the first press conference, Brock said, well, I'm sitting here as the champion. He's the interim champion. I don't, it's, it's, it's not a real championship. It means for now, my championship is until I'm defeated. And when they went to the, the main press conference right before the fight, Carwin showed up without his interim title. And Brock looks over and he notices the title's not there. And Brock says, well, that shows you the difference between a champion and an interim champion and shows you the difference between a D1 champion and a Division II champion. And when they asked Carwin about it, Carwin said, as soon as Brock mentioned the interim title, my, my belt went poof. And the fact that he brought up D1 versus D2 is the sorest spot, the biggest insult he can give me because it's true. Brock was an NCAA Division I heavyweight champion. Every championship that Bobby Lashley won in collegiate wrestling did not compare to the NCAA Division I heavyweight championship. Brock was the UFC heavyweight champion of the world. Bobby Lashley was, was a lawnmower, was a freight train in Bellator. But Bellator is not UFC. When you are the star on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown, you are the star in the biggest sports entertainment brand on the face of the planet. You're a big star elsewhere. You can be a big star elsewhere, nothing against those very viable companies, but it's not being the main event of WrestleMania or the biggest star on Raw and SmackDown. And that's the difference. Brock Lesnar has had an unparalleled career, and you can't compare Bobby Lashley's career to him. What you can say, though, is Bobby Lashley has struggled and worked and clawed his way to the very top of this industry. And as the heavyweight champion on Raw, and a very credible heavyweight champion on Raw, and, and an almighty, and I'll say magnificent and fantastic representative of the Raw brand, and certainly carving a niche into history as the WWE heavyweight champion, Bobby Lashley proved himself to be a very worthy opponent for Brock Lesnar, if not one that deserved to be called equal until proven not equal. That's the narrative that I see, that this Bobby Lashley is greater than any Bobby Lashley I've seen in the past 20 years, including the Bobby Lashley that headlined the WrestleMania against Umar. That's the intrigue here. So in their first match, no matter what happened to, to reach that conclusion, Bobby Lashley pinned Brock Lesnar. One, two, three. Despite all the insanity, all the mishigas, all the controversy, all the conspiracy theories, Bobby Lashley can come out on TV and say, and the first time I fought Brock Lesnar was in a multi-man match, we collided three times. And the first time I put him, I put him through a, a, a barricade. And the second time I knocked him on his ass. And the third time I put him in the hurt lock and someone else had to peel me off of him. First time they fought one-on-one, -on -one, Bobby Lashley can honestly say, I pinned Brock Lesnar. They've gotten into the ring with each other twice in physical combat. Bobby Lashley came out on top both times. In your opinion, 
what is Potty Lashley lacking to prevent him from being looked at in the same conversation as a Brock Lesnar? To your point, he's got the, the credibility now. He has defeated Brock Lesnar. He did all the things you just mentioned. Why is there still that disconnect where he's not Brock yet? Is it just a matter of tenure? It's unfair to compare any human being to Brock Lesnar. He's Brock Lesnar. You know, I had the easiest job in the world for 20 years as Brock Lesnar's advocate because all I had to do was recite the truth. He is a beast. Look at him. I mean, how many people look like that? Resting, not even training. How many people look like that? Let alone when he gets into training because he's going to be in public again. When Brock Lesnar left WWE in 2004 and he tried out for the Minnesota Vikings, they took him and they didn't combine numbers on him. And about three to six weeks, I don't remember the exact number, and I apologize for not knowing. About three to six weeks before the official tryout, Brock Lesnar flipped his motorcycle in the city of Minneapolis. He suffered a cracked pelvis and he tore his groin. So from his belly button down to his knees, he wasn't just bruised. He was black and purple the whole way down. He broke his jaw. So they wired his jaw shut. And because it prevented him from eating and getting the size and maintaining the size that he wanted, he cut the wires off his jaw two weeks before training camp. He shows up, again, fractured pelvis, let alone a torn ab muscle or something. Man, and a fractured pelvis and a torn groin that was not repaired yet. And he ran the 100-yard dash and the quarter mile in Olympic qualifying time. Now, most of the people that hit Olympic qualifying time, you know, like Hussein Bolt or somebody, is like nine feet tall and weigh 125 pounds. And they run like a gazelle. They have these super long legs and small torsos, and they're built for running fast. Right. The explosiveness of the takeoff of Brock Lesnar was something which the people that run the NFL combine numbers to this day say they've never seen anything like it before. And he did it at 295 pounds. Now, someone went into cadet camp at 185 pounds. That would still be remarkable. He did it at 295 pounds. This is not, this is the Jim Thorpe of this generation. This is an athlete. You know, Michael Jordan tried to play baseball too. And he was okay. But he wasn't what he was in basketball. Right. Brock Lesnar is a multi-sport athlete. If Brock Lesnar continued to go through through the NFL, he would have smashed every record that the NFL ever had. If Brock Lesnar decided he wanted to be a basketball player, James Harden and LeBron James and Michael Jordan would would, would be vying for number two or number three. Uh, If he decided to play baseball, he'd he'd hit a thousand home runs. That's just who he is. And, and, and it's unfair to compare a normal human being or even an extraordinary human being to this athlete because he's an athlete of such magnitude and, and of such greatness that it's, it's an unfair comparison to put any it's, – it's like saying, okay, get on, the, get, on the, get on the ice with Wayne Gretzky. It's not fair. Right. It's, it's not a comparison. So what does Bobby Lashley need to do? It's nothing he can do. He just needs to keep on looking in his matches with Brock Lesnar. First time they fought, multi-man match, Bobby Lashley up 3-0. Second time they fought, Bobby Lashley pins Brock Lesnar. 
keep doing that. And Bobby Lashley gets into the conversation. I agree wholeheartedly with everything you just said about Brock Lesnar, which begs the question, your alliance now apparently lies with the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. What makes Roman Reigns a better bet than a Brock Lesnar? Because you yourself just admitted you can never bet against Brock Lesnar under any circumstance, but that's essentially what you're doing. Well, on television on December 17th, live from Chicago, I said publicly, and I, and I, and I, and I don't retract the statement. I, I'm not trying to protect Brock Lesnar from you. I'm trying to protect you from Brock Lesnar. And it's still a valid statement. What makes Roman Reigns a bet for the future, even against Brock Lesnar, is that A, Roman Reigns is also a D1 athlete. B, no pun intended, or maybe all puns intended for, 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 for the name of the crew that surrounds the tribal chief. It's his bloodline. Uh, his father and his uncle were extraordinary athletes in a day where they were presented as savages and had no reason to go to the gym or do cardio. But my God, that bloodline, just the, the athleticism that runs through that bloodline is just incomparable in this industry in terms of a family. And he's driven and he's ambitious and he pushes himself past his limits. And he understands and acknowledges, no pun intended, his own limitations, and he's willing to fight against them. And he has no fear of Brock Lesnar, uh, either on camera or behind the scenes. But Roman Reigns is every bit the tribal chief that he presents himself to be on television. And he's willing to take a beating. And, 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 it's, and it's like betting on someone who understands jujitsu against someone who's a smasher. A smasher comes in, wham, nails you in the jaw. You go down, you're half conscious. He mounts you, and the smasher is just beating down on you until the jujitsu guy grabs a wrist, pulls you in, and you, next thing you know, you're in a triangle choke. It's how Fabrizio Verdum choked out Fedor Melianenko. I was going to do you one better and take it back. I remember watching the early UFC cards with my dad when you used to have to get them on VHS. Or, you know, and Dan Severn was the name on everybody's lips, and he was the wrestler. And then he encountered Hoist Gracie. Right. And I remember my dad would get visually angry because he would go, how in the hell is this, this skinny Brazilian guy beating the smasher, to your point? Dan Severn, who was German suplexing guys on their heads. Yes. That's a, that's a great example. And Hoist Gracie went on to be synonymous with mixed martial arts to this day. Yes. And, 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 that, and, and Roman Reigns is WWE's equivalent of a jiu-jitsu master. And, and the best example that I can give you is there was all sorts of an uproar backstage, in the arena, in the ring, when Brock Lesnar opened up Randy Orton at SummerSlam. After Brock Lesnar had fought Mark Hunt, and I say his name slowly for edification purposes. And Brock Lesnar fought Mark Hunt at UFC 200, came back, fought Randy Orton at SummerSlam in Brooklyn and, and opened him up pretty bad. And then I saw Brock Lesnar do the same thing at WrestleMania to Roman Reigns. And you can look at Roman Reigns' hairline, and he has one nasty scar right up in his hairline, and that's from Brock Lesnar. And unlike anybody else that I've seen Brock do that to, once Roman Reigns felt the warmth of the blood, you know, the, the, the old, you know, the crimson mask. Once Roman Reigns felt that crimson mask, he went into savage mode. He wasn't shaking off the cobwebs. He wasn't trying to regain his senses. He got up and fought. Now you can say anything you want about 
how this business operates and not pulling back the curtain and how the magician does his tricks. When Brock, when Brock Lesnar elbows you in the face, in the head, enough to bust you open and you start fighting, it says something about who you are and how tough you can be. And that's, and that's again, the WWE's equivalent of a jujitsu mindset. I've now taken your beating and I'm coming to you and I'm bringing the fight to you. And when I witnessed that, it was just another reason why even back then, as I was looking at my own trajectory for many years, I was very into like, wow, what I could do with this man, what I could do with this athlete, what I could do with this, with this attraction, because look at what he can withstand and get up and make something of it. Is Roman Reigns a surefire bet against Brock Lesnar? No. That's why I said in public and will continue to say to this day, I'm here to protect you from Brock Lesnar. It takes a team. It takes a mindset. Brock Lesnar would never have won a single fight in mixed martial arts without Marty Morgan. Marty Morgan is his head coach. And he had Comprito as his, I mean, eight times Brazilian world jiu-jitsu heavyweight champion. Uh, he had Comprito as a jiu-jitsu coach. He had um, Peter Welch as his boxing coach, which Heath Herring can tell you about the effectiveness of a Brock Lesnar punch. Beat Randy Couture standing up in the octagon. He didn't beat Randy Couture in wrestling. He beat Randy Couture standing up. Knock him down and then the hammer fist. So it was the team that made Brock Lesnar in UFC. It's the team that makes Roman Reigns. And is he a viable bet against Brock Lesnar with his cousins there and with me there and with me as Brock Lesnar's greatest vulnerability? You now have a completely viable opponent for Brock Lesnar. And I'll liken it to this. These are the same comments that I made going into Brock Lesnar's match at WrestleMania 30 with The Undertaker. These weren't predictions. These were spoilers. But at the time, even though Brock Lesnar defeated The Undertaker declaratively in Hell in a Cell back in 2002, this was an Undertaker with all this momentum, and it was WrestleMania. Right. And in WrestleMania, Undertaker was untouchable. Just a two-count on WrestleMania against The Undertaker was newsworthy. And Undertaker was going into WrestleMania 30 with all this momentum. But Brock Lesnar was the answer to the quandary of The Undertaker. And he conquered the streak. And I feel we, we are at the same point in history now. Who can conquer the conqueror? Who's a viable person? One victory, not to minimize what Bobby Lashley has accomplished. One victory over the beast is one thing. Domination over the beast, countering the beast, a, a consistent record of, of being able to replace Brock Lesnar as the top star, the top attraction, the WrestleMania main event, the go-to guy, the, the, the unbeatable, the unthinkable, the unfathomable. There's only one person I think really carries that credentials right now, and that's Roman Reigns. Seeing something in Roman Reigns that could potentially be what follows Brock Lesnar's legacy in this business, you have been known and made a career for yourself as far as uh, accentuating strengths of superstars and hiding weaknesses, etc. What do you credit your success for this long of a period of time with? And how are you able to still maintain relevance beyond just who you appear on television with? Because obviously your mind still works a certain way. How does Paul Heyman wake up every day and think what's next rather than what you've done in the past? I'm not looking at the next six months. I'm looking at the next six years. 
2022 is already spent. And if you look at what's going to be hot in 2022, you have to do it from the perspective of what's going to be hot in 2023, 2024, 2025, 2026. I want to know what the WrestleMania main event is going to be in 2020. I'm not even thinking of next year. I only think of next year as the lead up to the year after the year after that, the year after that. If you can have some sort of vision that can change on the fly, short term and long term. But if you look at a trajectory of where the industry is headed and where it will be in 2026, 2027, and therefore your short term plans are merely the next logical step towards the long term trajectory, then you're going to always stay ahead of the curve. If I'm trying to navigate the system for this year's WrestleMania, I'm too late. And if I'm trying to navigate the system and understand where the audience is going to be for next year's WrestleMania, I'm pretty much on the cusp of being yesterday's news. None of us have a crystal ball. How have you found that much success to this point? And obviously, I know how you think to an extent where it's bigger. It's beyond WWE. It's it's bigger than the wrestling business. What do you have your finger on the pulse of that most of us don't? And I thank you for that. And I, I, it's, it's an obsession with, with trying to read, you know, listen, it's, it's just, it, you look at the cryptocurrency market and, you know, five, six weeks ago, Ethereum was, was, was about, about to crash through $5,000. And now it's down at $2,400 today. Bitcoin was at 70 grand. Today it's in the low thirties. Right. And there are people that read that market and I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a day seller. I'm not a day trader. I'm not in it for the short term. And it's almost like trying to read it, read the technology wave. You know, YouTube came to the forefront. YouTube hit the market in 2005. So anybody looking at video distribution in 2004 that didn't see something coming in to completely disrupt the marketplace missed the boat. Those who understood that the way that, you know, video on demand and everything else was, was, was moving up quickly in popularity, knew there had to be a game changer coming. And then YouTube appeared and completely changed the dynamic. Just like TikTok in the past couple of years has completely changed social media to where Instagram now is rewarding influencers and content creators and offering bonus money to, up, to up, uh, upload your reels on Instagram to compete with TikTok. And so Facebook being owned by Instagram does the same thing, or Instagram being owned by sister companies in Meta. So, you know, and again, like look at the metaverse and how people are trying to understand where that goes and everybody placing bets on, okay, where does the metaverse take us? How will this change the video game industry? How will this change the computer industry? How will this change the communications level? What is going to be the social media attached to the metaverse? And how do we play that in, in, in 2027, 2027, 2026, I can only tell you that I've survived because I always take a long range view and I accept change every day along the way. That if I'm viewing where the industry is going to be five years from now, six years from now, four years from now, three years from now, two years from now, and I wake up tomorrow morning and there is a disruptor in the industry where there's always going to be, I'm very accepting of it. I don't sit there and go, well, how could this be? Oh, no, 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 that's not going to last. I view everything as a threat to disrupt the status quo. And I'm looking at different, I'm always looking, here's the way that Brock Lesnar describes me. And this comes from a farm boy. And farm boys learn quickly, whether it's snow in Saskatchewan or tornadoes in Kansas, 
the main highways are going to get shut down. So if you're a farmer, you need to know the back roads. You don't know the back roads, you're screwed as a farmer. So one day, and I, I don't really remember who it was that walked into Brock's locker room, or at least they knocked on the door first. And the, the veteran said to Brock, I see you're still keeping Heyman around. And Brock very seriously said, he knows all the back roads. And at that point, I understood my role. I know the back roads. And I'm very accepting of change. I don't try to debate the change. I don't try to, I don't hear the tornado warning and say, oh, there won't be a tornado today. Look, look, look the sun's shining out. Uh-oh, there's a tornado warning. And if it hits, we go left. And if it doesn't, we go straight. And if it's half a tornado, we might go right because left is the zombie apocalypse. I take everything as a threat to the status, to, to, to be disruptive for the status quo. And I'm prepared with alternatives. I know the back roads. And that's just the way you got to look at it. Because if you're not accepting a change, you yourself will never evolve. You yourself will never change. And then you become yesterday's news and you're out. I, I started as a manager in 1987 when the managers were being ushered out of the business. And I'm the last survivor of that era. Number one, because I was the youngest. I was the last one to break in. Um, so I was, the, I was 21 years old. So I was the youngest to come in. But I've survived now as I head towards my Freddie Blassie years. And I've survived because I'm accepting of change. So to influence a talent, to collaborate with a talent, to explain things to a talent, whether it's a Brock Lesnar or a Ronda Rousey or, or Bill Goldberg or a Roman Reigns or whoever, or whomever, or an, as Vic will tell you, as an announcer. And I used to tell Vic when he, when he was hosting Raw, that don't think about this broadcast where you want to be months from now as an announcer. And let's start that trajectory, that narrative today. Work on one thing at a time. Here's tonight's assignment. Where are you going to be six months from now, a year from now? And, and that's just the, I'm just trained never to look back and always to accept all realities around me. And these are the circumstances and the situations. And how do we exploit them and take advantage of them? We read the marketplace. Well, to that point, Mr. Heyman, you know, how has your advice changed to those over the years dating back to 1980? You've had your fingerprint on Stone Cold Steve Austin to Brock Lesnar to superstars of today to Roman Reigns. The world has changed since 1987. How has your advice different? The world will change tomorrow. I'm prepared for it. I'm ready for it. You know, and, and, I, and I work in a company that gets absolutely no credit for how adaptable it is. The, the, the biggest crime against WWE that I've seen in a while is the lack of credit that this company gets for the fact that throughout the pandemic from the very beginning, when it was a zombie apocalypse, we had no idea the fallout of society that was happening. Everything was shutting down. The NBA shut down. The NHL shut down. New York City the city that never sleeps and dreams and, 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 and dreams stay alive. New York City shut down. Chicago shut down. Los Angeles shut down. M movie shoots, television shoots. Everything shut down but the news. And the news was being done from Anderson Cooper or Sean Hannity's basement. Right. We never missed a single episode of television. Not one. Did we use... Older content that made sense in the current narrative to propel the storylines that we were presenting at the moment? Of course we did. We did everything we could to fill 
the two hours on SmackDown, the three hours on Raw, the hour on NXT, pay-per-views. WrestleMania itself was done from the PC in front of not even a digital audience. We never missed a single TV show. Not one. Not one. And this company deserves so much credit for that, that we honored our obligations to the networks and to the audience to provide them an outlet. I think the news programs deserve it because, again, all the top newscasters broadcasting from their own home or from, you know, their escape in the Catskills or the Hamptons or wherever, wherever they isolated themselves. But we never missed a TV show. And we deserve a lot of credit for that. And then we saw our way through it. And then we came back in front of live audiences. And if tomorrow a variant of COVID hit and we had to go back and do it all over again, we're better prepared for it. We never, it's funny because Vince McMahon never looked at it as a retreat, ever. We didn't retreat to the PC where there's no people. This is where we are right now in life. We have an obligation to present this many TV shows this week, pay per view that. And, and by God, we're going to do it. That was the back road to your point. Yeah. 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 And, and, and I just take a, a life example from that. My kids grew up under the knowledge that their father raises them to think at all times, quote, in the event of a zombie apocalypse. Because I start every sentence in life lessons to my children that way. Hey, uh, you know, you got to go brush your teeth tonight. Well, I don't want to brush my teeth tonight. You got to go brush your teeth tonight. Why? Well, in the event of a zombie apocalypse, you, you need a good set of choppers here. You know, <laughs> it's just. You want to have that many fresh breath when someone's gnawing on your, your neck. <laughs> you know, the, the, the age of growing up with your mother telling you, you know, wear clean underwear in case you have, in case you have a car wreck or something. Those days are over. I'm not worried. I'm, I'm not that worried about that. There's airbags, there's they're, they're seatbelts. Man, I'm always worried about the zombie apocalypse. So, you know, and, and that's how I praise everything to my children. In the event of a zombie apocalypse, blah, 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 blah. And that's how, you know, my advice to Roman Reigns or Brock Lesnar or Steve Austin or Mark Calloway or Ronda Rousey or Bill Goldberg or the announcers that I were working with on Raw back in the day, Michael Cole and Taz as the SmackDown announced team when I was lead writer, working with Joey Styles and ECW, anybody that I've ever worked with. My advice tomorrow is going to be different than my advice today because the world's going to be different tomorrow. And the world's going to be different two days from now than it is tomorrow. And I'm prepared for that change because if I'm not, again, I'm not, the, I'm not the wise man as Roman Reigns likes to call me. I'm, I'm not giving you proper advice. I'm giving you advice that works today that absolutely does not work tomorrow. And I, not to bring your personal life into it, I guarantee your relationship with your significant other to whom you are engaged is different today than it was a month and a half ago. Definitely. Because you grow together, you evolve together. And I bet you that your relationship with her will be different six months from now than it is today. Surely you will see the world differently. And, 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 and the whole idea of a relationship, personal or professional, if intimate enough to say, let's attach our legacies together. Let's let me advise you. Let me advocate for you. Let me counsel you on where we go with this. Trust me with your career. My advice is 
going to evolve over time because the world is going to evolve over time. Pop culture is going to evolve over time. Something may happen tomorrow that's going to blow YouTube or TikTok. Uh, again, look at the metaverse. It's going to completely change the entire dynamic of, 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 of the world that we live in. Right. And it's just, it's understanding that tomorrow, tomorrow's going to be a different, a different universe, multiverse, metaverse than we live in today. But here's where we are right now. And, and here's, here's the road that we're taking, understanding we may be going on a back road just like that. I love it, Paul. We honestly appreciate your time. I know you're a very busy yes, man. We are all watching anxiously Friday Night Smackdown. Hopefully a little more light will be shown upon the intricacies of the road to WrestleMania as pertains to Paul Heyman and the universal champion, Roman Reigns. Uh, before I let you go, I know you're a busy guy. You spend a lot of time advocating behind the scenes throughout your history, beyond Brock Lesnar, beyond Roman Reigns for young talent and up and coming stars in this business. Looking across the landscape right now, I want you to give me one name off the top of your head who Paul Heyman sees a very bright future for in WWE. I see more than one name. Rattle off several. We're, we're give, give them the rub here today. <laughs> well, first of all, I'll say this selfishly. Again, talking about evolving, evolving personas, evolving characters, evolving personalities, evolving box office attractions. You haven't seen the best of Roman Reigns yet. Roman it. Reigns a year from now will be far greater than Roman Reigns is today. That's his goal. Roman Reigns this Friday will be better than Roman Reigns last Friday. Roman Reigns next Friday will be able to look back at this Friday's appearance and say, wow. I can do that so much better, and he will. And I'll include the Usos in that as well. Okay. The Usos as a tag team are so infinitely better now than they were six months ago. And six months ago, they were already the best tag team in the past 20 years. I say those names selfishly. I think you look at Brock Lesnar evolving as a persona on television, and here he comes down now as, you know, Captain Caveman, fresh off the farm in Saskatchewan, you know, where, 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 where he's a, a pure killer and butcher. And can you compare this Brock Lesnar to the one that you've seen in 20 years? He's evolving. He's going to only be better. I don't think you've seen the best of Charlotte Flair. Okay. That's a bold statement for someone who, who has accomplished everything that she has. She's just getting started. Charlotte Flair, every time she appears, is driven to... Again, look at the... I think Charlotte Flair in her heart will, will not argue with this statement. There will come a day in this industry if Charlotte Flair can capitalize on the opportunities that she creates for herself, where Ric Flair is known as Charlotte Flair's father and not Charlotte Flair as Ric Flair's daughter. Wow. She's that good. Whether Charlotte Flair faces Sasha Banks or Bianca Belair or, or Becky Lynch um, or, or, or Shayna Baszler, or Natty, or Natty, or, or, or whomever, whomever Charlotte Flair steps, or Ronda Rousey, whomever Charlotte Flair steps into the ring with at WrestleMania, Charlotte Flair is going to put on the show. I've never seen Charlotte Flair not go out there with the determination to steal the show. That's what impresses me about her. I don't think we've even scratched the surface with the physical abilities of Matt Riddle. Riddle gets better every match that I see him in. I think after his initiation with the audience demonstrates just how capable he is, Riddick Moss is going to be a star. Uh, 
I don't think anyone has a clue just how capable he is. And he's demonstrated he can walk into any personality that, 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 he's, that he's assigned as a task at the moment. When Riddick Moss has the emergence out of his shell into his next incarnation, the same way the big dog elevated his game, upgraded his status, morphed into, evolved into the tribal chief. Riddick Moss's next iteration in WWE, there'll be no stopping Riddick Moss. He's a main eventer. Uh, Braun Breaker is a no-brainer. Agreed. Wow. Wow. And picking it up faster than most people. Have. I mean, he's in, he's in rarefied air. Gable Stevenson. Yes. An Olympic gold medalist and NCAA Division I heavyweight champion. The first heavyweight in 20-something years to win the Hodge Trophy, which even Brock Lesnar didn't win. So Brock Lesnar's claim to fame as an amateur wrestler is the NCAA Division I heavyweight championship. Gable Stevenson got that. Kurt Angle's claim to fame in amateur wrestling was an Olympic gold medal. Gable Stevenson got that. Neither Brock nor Kurt won the Hodge Trophy which is the Heisman Trophy for wrestlers. Right. Handily. And he went back for his final year at the U of M, and he's undefeated this year. He picks up this industry and loves this industry. Gable Stevenson, surefire better. Mandy Rose is impressing me in NXT. She went down NXT to completely reinvent herself and is emerging as, as a real top star. Rhea Ripley. We... We have not even seen the beginnings of how great Rhea Ripley can be. There is a locker room filled with potential. There's a locker room filled with great talent. Both were on SmackDown and NXT as well. It just needs to be talent, seizing the moment, seeing the opportunity. Um, we haven't seen the best of Kevin Owens. We haven't seen the best of Big E. Far from it. Far from it. He has so much more to offer. And he just needs the time and the chance to do so. Roman Reigns was a main eventer from the day he started in 2012 on the main roster. Through 2020, Roman Reigns main evented four WrestleManias. And that was just the audition to become the tribal chief. It was the appetizer for the main course. He had to have that resume, that background, that experience to come from top attraction, competing with John Cena for the top spot, multi-WrestleMania matches with Brock Lesnar, a victory over The Undertaker, only two people can claim that, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, surprisingly, or not surprisingly, considering who's in their corner. But that was, that was the lead up to the Tribal Chief. And the Tribal Chief is far bigger box office, a far more compelling person personality, a far more riveting persona than the big dog. No offense to the big dog, but the public wasn't ready to accept the greatness. And Roman Reigns didn't know how to put it all together and take this package of greatness and his ability to reach greatness and break through the limitations on his greatness to make a viable claim to be on the greatest of all time on the GOAT. And now he is as the tribal chief who's still evolving, who's still emerging. The same goes for Charlotte Blair. The same goes for Braun Breaker. The same goes for Riddick Moss. The same goes for, the, the, here's another one, Ciampa. Oh my God. What a talented, completely evolving, progressing personality Ciampa is. All these people. Bianca Belair. 
I, I brought her up to the main roster and I was executive director of Raw in, what, what was it, 2020? Yes. Look at her. Look, look, look at her ability. She made a bet at WrestleMania already. And deservedly so. Not the last time, and I and I'll bet you before the end before the end of her, of her tenure, she'll main event night two, and deservedly so, because male or female on the roster, there are very few athletes of her caliber, and very few people willing to put in the work to exploit those abilities. So who do I see? I see a locker room. I see a Raw, SmackDown, and NXT locker room that are all filled with just greatness that needs the time to evolve be accepted by the audience as being great and then accept themselves for their greatness with all false humility aside and push themselves past any limit. A good a, a good performer needs to push themselves to be a great performer. A great performer needs to push themselves to be an all-time great performer. And an all-time great performer needs to push themselves to be the greatest. The, my favorite story about Michael Jordan is Michael Jordan Lawrence Taylor used to always, I used to be very close friends with Lawrence Taylor. And Lawrence Taylor used to always talk about this, that Michael Jordan did an interview with the biggest news station in Chicago, whatever it was, at the WGN or whatever it was. And practice was at three o'clock. And Jordan did the interview at, at 11 a.m. And they wrapped it up by 11.45. They go, thank you. I guess you're going out to lunch or whatever. And someone goes, practice at three. And Jordan grabs a basketball and says, thanks, I'll start now. And they looked at him and they said, you don't have to be here till three. And he goes, no, they're all here at three, which is why I'm here at noon. And he practiced for three hours before practice actually started. So the news crew hung around and they waited and they waited till practice was over at 536 o'clock, whenever it was done. And they said, you're Michael Jordan. Why did you do that? And he said, because I'm Michael Jordan and I want to stay Michael Jordan. That's the gig. It's an obsession. It's, 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 a, it's an unrepentant, unrelenting obsession with pushing through your own limitations and your own boundaries and saying, if, if, I'm a, if I'm an eight, I need to be a 12. And if I'm a 10, I need to be a 15. And if I'm a 15, there's going to be someone else with this mindset. I better push myself to a 20. Paul, this has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. We have to do this in the wake of WrestleMania because I'm sure the world will look very different by then. I'm very curious to see if, your pontifications today were, in fact, predictions or indeed spoilers. I cannot wait. It's WrestleMania season, Paul. Yes, it is. And I'm prepared for it. Well, Vic, I don't know if there's anything more that you or I can say to add to that. What a fantastic conversation. One of the greatest minds this business has ever known. And I'm dead serious about getting Heyman back here after WrestleMania to see if all this actually came true. But in the meantime, you can follow us at After the Bell WWE on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me at WWE Graves. You can find him at Vic Joseph WWE. Listen for free on Spotify. Just search After the Bell. Hit the follow button so you never miss an episode because as Paul Heyman just so eloquently demonstrated, you can't. You just can't miss an episode of the greatest sports entertainment podcast in the world. We'll be back next week with more wisdom more vitriol, more WWE after the bell.